The word of the Lord that engages us this morning is from Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, and printed for you in your bulletin this morning. You may want to keep your eye on that as I preach for the next 35 minutes and get up and get after it today. I say that for the benefit of those who are at home who can grab another cup of coffee during the sermon's intermission this morning. What a human, what a human conversation the disciples are having. It's a young man's conversation. Who's the greatest? Who's going to get the best seat? Who's going to have the, the most powerful, most authoritative place? Who's going to be the man? It's a conversation that started probably with James and John. In one account in the Gospels, their mom came to Jesus. But the conversation was around who would be the greatest. Whispers and little understandings and if this Jesus is as big as we think, then the thrones around him are going to be enormous. We're going to have authority and power and servants and people to serve us. And, and we want a cool place to sit close to Jesus. We don't want to sit in the back. We want to be at the forefront of everything. We want to be where there is power and where there is authority. We want to be a little better than these other ten schmoes that are with us. We want to be elevated just a little, just above the fellas, just a little bit. We want to be the man. And so they're having this conversation, as young men do, on the way up to Jerusalem Clearly, they hadn't all paid attention as to what Jesus had already said two times. And so Jesus pulls them together again and he says, well, the Son of Man is going to be beaten, betrayed, killed, and rise again. But the fog of authority and the fog of power kind of overtakes James and John. And so they create indignation among the disciples with the conversation around who's the greatest, as that conversation typically does around humanity. And someone elbows another person and says, you know, I'm just a little bit better than you. I've got this figured out just a little bit better than you do. I'm a little bit more accomplished than you are. It's always kind of like petting a cat's fur in the wrong direction. It has different nuance to it. Who has the best idea? Well, I may not say it overtly, but I'm fairly certain my idea is better than yours, and so I probably have greater insight than you do, so I'll push my idea over your idea and make myself out to be the better person, or at least I'll feel like the better person in my heart and make you less and me more, exalting and lifting myself up for my great idea or insight. Over the last year, there's been a lot of conversation about who has the greatest opinion and understanding. Well, clearly you're not looking at this the right way. If you saw this the way I see this, then we would agree or you would agree with me and then everyone would do what I think they should do or think the way that I should think. If you just looked at this issue the way I did and had my opinion, whatever it may be, then you would understand that my opinion is righteous and yours isn't. I'm greater. I'm better. I'm smarter. I have more insight. 
So my opinion is greater than yours. Just writing that earlier this week and reading it and preaching it, it just doesn't feel right in the heart. That's not the way Christian people think. Our orientation is not around self. That's because of Jesus. Christians typically don't sit and talk about who's the greatest, who's the smartest, who's the most popular, who has the most influence, the most money, the most gold medals, the most winsome personality, who is the greatest. And as Jesus loves to do, he takes a question that comes from left field, draws it into the mind's eye of his disciples, and addresses the immutable truth of his ministry. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus uses a question that humanity asks over and over again. Where do I fit and what is the pecking order? Am I not, and in this pecking order, am I closer to the top or the bottom? Jesus uses this question, whether asked verbally out loud or simply in the heart of hearts. Jesus makes his point that place and position among his people isn't about exercising power and authority. It's about serving. It's the third time now he shared with his disciples, and they just seem to be out to lunch on, on, on what he's all about. And now they're on their way to the Jerusalem. It's getting to be the end of the end. The Son of Man will be betrayed into the hands of sinful men. He will suffer, die, and on the third day rise again. Got it? Well, where do we sit? Who's the greatest? No, no, no. The Son of Man is going to go up to Jerusalem. He's going to suffer and die, be betrayed, and rise again after he's crucified. Do you get it? And according to Mark's gospel, it's not until Jesus is hanging on that cross, poured out in service to humanity, that his disciples finally get it. A couple of weeks ago in our text, Peter says, get, this isn't going to happen to you. Jesus says, get behind me. Another couple of weeks ago, they just kind of ignore and blithely go on with their lives. And now Jesus looks them in the eyes, marching ever more, ever closer to the cross. And he says, this is what it's all about. I'm going to be raised up on this cross, not as a function of human power or human authority, but as the sacrifice for all time. In my death, I will be bridging the gap between God and humanity once for all. I will pay the ransom, the payment to God for your lives. We aren't the greatest. Jesus, Jesus is the greatest. And we know who the greatest is because it's the one on the cross for us, the one who is our Savior. He's not the greatest because he was served and had more servants than anybody else. He was the greatest because he poured himself out unto death for us. In him we find life and forgiveness and truth. And a way of life that is bracketed in humility 
rather than position and authority. What a marvelous gift that Jesus gave to his disciples there, shutting down the indignation, binding them back together, not playing them against one another, but in his love and in his grace saying, we're all in this together because whosoever's going to be greatest is going to be the servant and whosoever going to be number one is going to be the slave of all. You're not working your way to the top, but you're finding joy in serving one another and other people. If you want to be greatest of all, then pour yourself out. One of the axioms that I like to use in leadership is that which gets measured gets done. If you measure it and you're going to keep track of it, then it's going to get done. We are counting each and every one of you in worship. We count all the web hits. We count all the the streams. We count concurrent streams. We count streams that go back. We compete a little bit among the pastoral staff just in terms of (laughs) the text and in terms of whose sermons get the most hits throughout the week, right? How antithetical to Jesus' words, Reverend Klinkenberg. That which gets measured gets done, right? So make sure you measure the right thing. The greatest score differential I ever had in a football game that I coached at Orange Lutheran was in 1993. And I'll never forget the game. We lost 63 to nothing. And we got beat to a bloody pulp by the Calvary Chapel Eagles, who at the end of the fourth quarter stood up on their sideline and clapping together in unison as they were driving down the end of the field, 70, 70, 70, so they could score 70 points with a running clock, no less. They had knocked out our first-string quarterback early in the game, so our offense was stagnant. We didn't have a lot of plays to call because 80% of our team was little freshman kids who, soaking wet, weighed probably 125 pounds. At the end of the fourth quarter, our second string quarterback got knocked out on a ferocious hit on an option going to the right. He just got absolutely clobbered. So we got out, we scraped him off the field, we loved on him, we brought him over and and I looked at a young man who I had just confirmed who was part of the youth ministry at St. John's. He's He's a great kid. And I looked at him and it was terror in his eyes. And he goes, Coach Clink, I'm the third-string quarterback. And I said, Matthew, you're the third-string quarterback. His eyes were big as saucers. He looked at me and I looked at him. I said, Matthew, there's only about a minute 45 left in the game. What what, what do you think we should do? Everything, I think he wanted to say, just give them the other ball and give them the points to get to 70. Just don't make me carry that ball. I said, just get the ball. Turn around, run around a little bit and fall down. And let's get out of here. He took the three snaps. He went down three times. And in doing so, he ran out the minute 45, minute 30 that was still on the clock. Final score, 63 to nothing. I don't remember any particular play of that game except the play of that young man. 14 years old, five foot nothing, 120 pounds, sacrificed for his team, and even in defeat, stood tall. 
what gets measured gets done. The way we coached, we measured character. We measured teamwork. We measured unselfishly giving our best every day for our teammates. And we measured being faithful Christian witnesses. He who would be greatest among you would be servant of all, perhaps even against all odds. The kingdom of the Lord Jesus does not have a speaker's gavel or a teleprompter or a self-righteous tone. Rather, those who are great in the kingdom of God let go of their power, turn toward other people, take a knee, and serve. The kingdom of God is not about who is the loudest, who's in the front of the line, who had the best grade card, who's the most proficient athlete, who put up most points in a game, whose child got the most certificates for merit or whatever. Rather, those who are great in the kingdom We'll welcome, a retu- we'll welcome a child. We'll rejoice over a son who is lost and is now found. And we'll find meaning in a life of prayer and quietness that focuses on service. The kingdom of God isn't about churches that have the most web hits, the greatest digital presence, who religiously wore masks, social distance, washed their hands, and stayed away from one another over the last year. Perhaps the mark of a successful church over the last year is service, humility, loss, suffering, and pulling through the other side of this season with hope and faith in the one who came not to be served but to serve. It's been about a year since we went down. And I'm telling you, it's a whole lot easier to shut a ministry down than it is to restart one. So many opinions, so many attitudes, so much research, so many Google searches, so much change and transition over the year. All the human wisdom seems to fight and argue with with one another. So in our congregation, as we look to rise up, perhaps we evaluate what we've done together and the meaning that's come in serving the Lord Jesus by serving other people together. We've been afraid together. No question about that. Less so now, more so a year ago. What does this mean? Where is this going? How will it end? Who will live? Who will die? What will happen? Some of us have cried together. Whether it was at socially distanced funerals out at St. John Cemetery, or perhaps even through a screen door on a convalescent center offering the commendation of the dying to someone who can't be touched or breathed on. Those are the marks of the kingdom. And with that level of service and heartfelt love for one another, we had way more wins than we had losses. As we move into our future, no doubt we will be more and more opened as a congregation, more and more open day to day as a ministry. No doubt we will feel greater and greater sense of relief as things continue to open up. Yet this text reminds us to keep the main thing the main thing. 
Not the greatness of our victory, not the power of our suffering, not, not anything other than Jesus. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The essence of Jesus of Nazareth, the essence of his bride, the church, the essence of all who would pick up their cross every day and follow Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.